Hey, it's Miss USA 2015, Olivia Jordan, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Kim Tialdo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, TV and pageant host, entrepreneur, author, and somebody who just wants to help you become better. Now, if you're wondering what life looks like after pageants, the advice, the stories, and the interviews that you hear on this podcast will not only inspire you, but help make your transition from pageants to professional life a bit easier to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss USA 2015 is Oklahoma! My guest today was Miss USA 2015 and placed second runner-up that year at Miss Universe. She also represented the United States at Miss World in 2013, where she finished in the top 20. She is the first woman from Oklahoma to be crowned Miss USA. And in 2018, she was one of six models chosen from a pool of 5,000 applicants to be featured in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. She's also been featured in Cosmo, Shape, Maxim, and Vogue magazines. She graduated in 2011 from Boston University with a Bachelor of Science in Health Sciences. And this past August, she got engaged to her now fiancé, Jay. Olivia Jordan, sounds like you got your hands full with plenty going on. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> thank you. You know how to do an intro. <laughs> well, thank that you. Was, I appreciate that. That was good. <laughs> so I got to ask you, what's life uh, like prepping now for a wedding instead of a pageant? It's such a different thing. I feel like planning for the, this wedding has been, I guess it's a lot of moving parts because <laughs> prepping for a pageant was really just about preparing myself. And this is like, okay, where do Jay and I stand? <laughs> How are we going to please our families? A lot of travel involved because his family is going to come in from London. So a lot more moving parts in the wedding planning. <laughs> and I know a lot of people have asked, how did you meet? I think they, they want to know the, the, the love bird story. Uh, the love story. Um, Jay and I met, I moved back to Los Angeles after my year as Miss USA and was on dating apps and trying to, to do all these, you know, new age ways to <laughs> find my perfect mate. And I was not successful. Like every, I, it just was not, it was not going to be a win for me. And I'm saying this, like it took months of my life. It was like a week. And I was like, this is not going to be how I <laughs> find my guy. And I was literally swiping on one of these apps and feeling this way, like, this is not, I need to connect with someone's energy because that's really what attracts me. It's not just about how someone looks or, you know, a few fun facts about them. It's energy. And I like throw my phone down and like, I need to get out of the house. And I go on a run at Runyon Canyon in LA, which is like this very trendy, like overdone hike. Yeah. So I go there and I'm like, running and listening to Taylor Swift and like really just, you know, feeling good. Like I need to focus on me and making myself happy and the right guy's just going to find me. And as I'm having all of these thoughts and this is happening, a girl that I had been at an audition with that morning stopped me to ask how the audition went. And we were chatting and this guy kind of walks up behind her and she's like, Oh, this is my friend Jay. And he looks at me for a second and he's like, you have really beautiful eyes. 
and I'm kind of taken aback because I don't know what their situation is and <laughs> who this guy is. And I'm like, okay. And I literally run away. I'm like, nice to meet you guys and run. And he ended up, you know, getting my full name from her and tracking me down and finding, we had some mutual friends in common. So he got the rundown on if I was single and if I was interested. And he finally got the okay that I gave my number to one of our mutual friends and she passed it on anyway. So he, he did the research and it happened in real life. The apps didn't work for me, but just a <laughs> casual run on a random day did. Was this after you so, were Miss USA? It was. Yes. Did you find that yes, the crown made it hard to meet people? I think, yes, it, it was really hard in my time as Miss USA. I feel like there's, not been that many of us that were kind of like single during our Miss USA years. I feel like, you know, Nia and Sarah Rose Summers and Susie, so many people were kind of like with their life mm-hmm. mate during their year. And I uh, wasn't, and I was trying to date and it was just so hard to, to know what people's real intentions were, um, what their real interest was, because I felt like the attention that I got during that year wasn't really from people that were that interested in getting to know me. It was more about them wanting to see how my social media presence and how my whatever, the crown, how it could help them in their life. So it was kind of like a challenge during that. And I think that's why meeting Jay was such a breath of fresh air after because he was from London. And although, of course, they do, you know, there's always a Miss Great Britain. And ironically, that was my Miss Universe roommate. (laughs) But pageants pageants aren't as big of a deal over there. So it didn't mean anything to him that I had been this former Miss USA, like I have had to teach him everything about what that, <laughs> what that means. And, and I kind of had to convince him that it was a big deal. Like he's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, you were Miss USA for a year. And I'm like, no, it was, it was an accomplishment. Be You're like, no, really, I am a big deal. I promise. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, that's really cool. And I'm, uh, it's, it's cool to hear the story of how you met and congratulations. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking forward to the pictures that come out of your wedding. Thank you. Yeah. Bar is that high. I, I'm sure it is. No doubt. Well, hey, I was doing a little research on you this morning and I actually, I didn't know this and I don't know how many people actually know this. Your real name is Olivia Thomas. Um, and I read about the story of how you started using the surname Jordan. Can you tell that story? Yes. So my full name is Olivia Jordan Thomas. Jordan's my middle name. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I actually, during my, my time at Boston University, I had been an extra in some films and actually, actually became SAG eligible during that time. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I was already eligible to be part of the uh, screen actors to be part of the union. So it was important to me to take that step. And when I called and asked how that happened, they said, well, you would have to register under either your full name or a different name because we already have an Olivia Thomas in our system. And I, at that time in my life, I was like taking this huge leap to try acting and modeling full time for the first time in my life, even though I'd been modeling for years, this was like, felt like a big leap. And I just wanted to kind of start fresh and leave the past in the past. And so when they told me that, I almost was relieved and was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to start. (laughs) <laughs> this is my new life as Olivia Jordan and Olivia Thomas is great. And we're going to leave her behind though. Cause this is, this is a whole new venture. And it was kind of 
an exciting time. I mean, some people get a new haircut. Some people like <laughs> it, it just felt to me like it was a external representation of how I was feeling inside was that I just needed a new fresh start. And it kind of gave me that. And I got to sort of decide who is Olivia Jordan. She doesn't have to carry any of the baggage of the past. Olivia, <laughs> Olivia Thomas had, you know, like there's a brand new person that is in a new city and can do anything she wants to do. It's very weird that I'm speaking in third person, but you know what I mean. <laughs> You're like the rock in talking in third person. Yeah. So I, 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 I like yeah. the name Olivia Jordan, though. It rings off the tongue. So that was your, your uh, you. middle name at birth? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's my, um, it's also my grandmother's maiden name. My great grandmother's maiden name is Jordan. And she was just a powerful force. She started her own business. And when you think about the times that, that she did that um, for my great grandmother to be, you know, a, a woman entrepreneur. I like that about her. And so I, I like when I was coming into this new chapter of my life, embodying a little piece of that strength and that encouragement from a female entrepreneur in my family and just carrying that in with me to this new chapter. All right. Well, we will always refer to you as Olivia Jordan. So that new chapter continues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, hey, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, you were the first woman to represent the U.S. in two of the largest and oldest international pageants in the world. Of course, we're talking about Miss World and, of course, Miss Universe. Now, I was watching an interview with you, and in it you said that you had entered pageants originally kind of as a way to, you know, I guess to learn and grow, cultivate some public speaking skills that you didn't have yet. And to, to get yourself out there and really go for big dreams like Miss USA and, you know, I guess if we're, we're talking about it, the SI uh, swimsuit issue. So yeah. as you look back on pageantry now that you've kind of completed it, what is the big, biggest life lesson you took away from it? Oh, it's so hard to just choose one. I, I honestly feel like I'm a different person than I was before I started pageants. And, and I don't mean that I, you know, have totally abandoned my, my former self and values. But so much growth has occurred. And I feel like being competing in pageants, it really pushes you. It pushes you to do things that are terrifying. It pushes you to develop the kind of inner confidence that can't be shaken when judges or peers or Instagram trolls try to bring you down. It, mm -hmm. it really pushes you to, to become a stronger version of yourself. And I feel like that's what I've taken away, I, I would say, would be the strength. I think I've, you know, stepping out and, and going after things that are terrifying and setting yourself up for potential failure and failing at times very publicly and also succeeding at times very publicly, that, that just gives you such an opportunity for growth. And so I'm so grateful for it. I've learned a lot of like, I've learned a lot of skills through, through this public speaking. I was terrified of public speaking. And now that's, one of the things that I do for a living and it's one of the things that I love to do. So it definitely, yeah, it changed everything. I guess looking back on your March to Miss USA, um, you mentioned that, you know, pageants try to, to make you do things that can be terrifying. What, what is something that was terrifying to you that you really had to like, you know, swallow and just say, my gosh, I, I, I guess I just got to do this. Uh, so many things. It, it was, a, it was a lot of different aspects of the pageant. I mean, for me, I have always struggled with body image, especially in my teen years. I had an eating disorder and just really, really hated my body. And I, I don't like to use the word hate at this point in my life, but that's the only way that I can 
explain how I felt at that at that point that I just really didn't like myself and I didn't like looking in the mirror. And so to go from that young girl that that had all of that hate inside of her to someone that can walk on stage in front of millions of viewers and be okay with it and be okay that some people are going to you know, give criticism that's not nice about my body. That was a really huge step for me. I think it was very empowering to to have to go through that because it taught me that it's really not about what other people think. It's about how I feel. And I really did get to a place that I I felt good on stage. I felt good walking in a bikini, wearing, you know, less clothes than you should ever have to wear in public. And I was wearing them <laughs> on stage. And so for me, that was just such a representation of that growth and that all those lessons and self-love and Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition was a further an act of self-love to be able to get out there and, and do that and say, this is me and, and this is my body and I, I love it and let's celebrate it. All of that were, were just outward expressions of self-love that, that I just owed to my teenage self that was really hard on myself. Well, you know, you bring up something that I think is incredibly important and relevant right now um, in today's pageant world, and you've obviously gone through it. You know, look, you were a Miss USA that, you know, tends to have that very classic look, 5'11", blonde, blue eyes, you know, kind of that Shandy Finnessy type look. And everybody thinks, well, gosh, it must have been super easy for Olivia. You know, she's just got it. But as you mentioned, there's the fun side of it that everybody loves and sees and says, God, I want that. But there's the hard side of it where, you know, in today's social media world, people are ruthless and brutal <laughs> online. You know, yeah. how did you how did you handle it? Um, I will say, because I have watched the, the women after me, that I, in the grand scheme of social media, love and hate, I was very, very lucky. So I do, you know, just want to acknowledge that, that I don't think that I'm, you know, the most bullied <laughs> USA <laughs> there ever was, but it doesn't matter who you are or what you look like or how many people love you. There, people are going to try to bring you down a hundred percent, especially in that title. And people have asked me since then, what do you do to quiet the haters? Honestly, the best thing that I ever did was to pass that crown to the next girl because the haters follow the crown. So I was having, you know, so many people daily send me inbox messages and write on my feed and just really horrible, hateful stuff. And when I passed that crown, it was like nine out of 10 of them went with it. <laughs> you know, I saw the occasional <laughs> negative comment, but it, it did help me realize that, that it really is about people trying to bring down someone that's doing well. And so I think that all the, the women right now that, that have crowns right now and are going through this, just recognize that the only reason people are trying to bring you down is because you are on top right now. And that's hard for people to see. And it, it triggers some part of them that doesn't feel that they deserve the things that you have accomplished. And that's really hard for people. So it's not about you. It's, it's about their own, you know, pain that they're projecting onto you. So you gotta, you gotta let it go. I, it's, it's such a hard thing to do, but you definitely, you gotta breathe and release them and, and not feed into it. Well, Hey, this is a really good topic. I know a lot of title holders listen to the podcast. I talked to four of them last night. I said, Hey, I'm going to talk to Olivia Jordan. What would you like to know? And they all immediately texted a bunch of questions. So I want to throw a couple of those at you because it's January now, Miss USA's, you know, 
for all we know, four or five months away. And they're thinking, you know, how can I be kind of what Olivia did? So do you mind answering a couple of those questions? Of course. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So uh, the first one, what was the most unique part of your preparation for Miss USA? Ooh, the most unique part. What an interesting question. I think one of the things that I will say about when I was competing for Miss USA and honestly, when I've accomplished any of my life goals, I wasn't only focused on that one goal. So what I mean by that is um, winning Miss USA, you can be the best of the best and you may not win. There were maybe girls better than me on stage that didn't win. And it's, it's not necessarily about who's the best. It's about, I don't know, I believe in destiny. So I, I believe, you know, in, in part it's destiny and what our path is supposed to be. It's, you know, part how the judges are feeling that day. You just never know what's going to happen. And so you can't put all of your eggs in that basket and only have that be the only energy that you're living. So when I was competing for Miss Oklahoma USA, I simultaneously set the goal to run a half marathon because it had been a few years since I had done one. Running is always a struggle for me. And I thought, you know what, if I can just train to run a half marathon right now, first of all, it's going to help me feel good and confident in my body and how strong I am. But it's just going to give me a distraction, a secondary focus. And that secondary focus helps take the pressure off this Miss Oklahoma USA thing because I can literally track if I'm going to finish this half marathon. And lots of us get to finish. You know, I'm not taking away from someone else if I, if I win or I mean if I complete it. So just having that sort of secondary goal that I was trying to accomplish at the same time I think take some of the pressure off. And that's what I encourage women competing for Miss USA or competing for their state title. Don't have that be the only thing happening in your life right now. Make sure there's something else that you are cultivating, that you're working on, that, that's helping just have a focus that's not that you're living and breathing and everything in your life is about Miss USA. Because at the end of this, you know, very short time frame that you have to train, only one person gets to walk away with the crown. And I hope it's you. I really do. I mean, it's an amazing feeling when it is you, but it's also in a lot of ways out of your control. So don't try to over control things that are out of your control and make sure that you have secondary focuses going on in your life. Sure. Uh, this one might be a little similar, but um, I'll ask it. Um, one of the girls wants to know, how did you mentally prepare going into USA um, to win the title? <laughs> I got very into meditation as I was training to try to take that crowd in Miss USA. I was very into meditation. At the time, I was listening to Oprah and Deepak Chopra do um, these free meditations like twice a year. And I got very into those and was just meditating every day. And even during the competition, when we would be riding on the bus different places and a lot of the girls would be chatting and getting to know each other, which I think is so important. I'm not taking away from that, but I am an introvert. And the more that I'm spending time around other people, the more drained that I feel, um, as opposed to extroverts that, you know, they get energy by being around other people. So I knew that I, at least for 20 minutes a day, needed to be able to calm my mind and give myself a break. So I was, you know, chatting with girls every single meal and during rehearsals. And I had a amazing time at Miss USA and Miss Universe. But I also found those moments where it was like, you know what, I need 20 minutes where even though I'm around all these people, we're on the bus and it's okay for me to just put my ear pods in and just 
sort of be calm for the next 20 minutes and then we'll get to the destination and then I can turn it back on and have energy and bounce around again. Well, branching off that answer, you know, I was listening and reading to other interviews with you and uh, you seem to be, you know, kind of a big believer in the, you know, the whole law of attraction and manifesting, you know, what you put out to the universe. Does that, does that sound about right? Yes. I am such a big believer in it and it doesn't really bother me if, if people do or don't believe in it. I, I feel like I've lived it. Like I visualized myself in my, you know, hot pink ball gown. I visualized <laughs> not just winning the crown because that's just a tiny piece of it. I visualized how graceful I would be in the final walk. I visualized how confident I would feel as I answered my questions. I visualized how calm I would be in my interview session. So I visualized every single piece of the pageant for days, weeks, months before it happened. And so it wasn't just about the end goal because you can never again control the outcome of a pageant. I had some visualizations of, you know, the moment they crowned me and how happy I would be and just let sort of that feeling of joy wash over me so I could experience the joy before I felt the joy uh, in, in real life. So I had some of those, but I spent a lot more time, you know, manifesting how strong and confident I was going to feel. So while it was happening, it was like almost this surreal out-of-body experience because I had literally visualized during rehearsals that I was going to be the first out of the top five, that they were going to call me first because that was the, I really liked the song. This is my fight song. And from rehearsals, I knew that that was the song that was going to be playing for the first and second girl, but I wanted to be first. I wanted to have the first, you know, question. And so I didn't get nervous, but all of those things, I, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is happening. This is happening. How I manifested it. Okay, great. Like as, Oh, now we're to the final two and now we're holding hands. And I had, I had even manifested and Ileana knows this Miss Texas USA. I knew in my bones that we would be holding hands. And I had told her that from the moment I met her. Um, and there were incredible women that competed my year, incredible. And there were so many women that could have walked away with the crown and would have been unbelievable Miss USA's. And so many people that didn't make it into the top that should have, but something about Ileana, I knew we would be holding hands. So I manifested that. I manifested how great it was going to be like holding Ileana's hand. And I really felt like she was my biggest competition, but we were so different. So I, I didn't feel competitive with her at all because it was kind of like whatever the judges are going to choose where we're two powerful women and, and we're different. So it's, it's not, you know, who's better than the other. It's what is right for it this year at this moment. That is really cool. Well, you know, I've, I've had a chance to use that concept in my life with some success as well. I got to ask you, when you get into the top five and you've been visualizing it for months and you're there yeah. and you're, you're looking at the hosts, you're looking at the crowd. Are you in your mind honestly thinking, I've got this, this is mine? You know, it's, it's such a, a fine line for me on feeling like I felt so, so confident that I was right for the job. And I also was trying to stay very grounded in the fact that I was just lucky to be there because there were incredible women at Miss Oklahoma USA. You know, my top three at Miss Oklahoma USA, all three of us ended up on the Miss USA stage. The next year was Alex and the next year was Taylor. So, or they were actually on the same year. But anyway, crazy stuff happened. And so I had to remember the entire time I was competing, how grateful and lucky I was to be there. And that I 100% could win and felt it that I, that I should. 
but I also was trying to not be cocky. Like I'm going to win and <laughs> I'm the only one that can win. Like it's, it's a really fine line that I had to, to keep in, in my mind. But in, when they called me in the top five, I was like, this is my destiny to be standing in the top five. When they called me in the final two with Ileana, I was like, this is my destiny. Like I just felt very, very calm And when I watch it back, it's so funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like, I I knew what I was saying in my final answers because I felt so calm and connected to the moment. And it was what I had visualized over and over and over again was that confidence and that calm. And when I watch it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that happened. That was real. Well, speaking of watching it, that leads to my last question from one of the state title holders. She wants to know, what do you think separated you that night? You know, I guess from the judge's standpoint, what do you think they saw yeah. in you that even though there were, you know, four other girls who easily could have taken the title, what is it that they saw in you besides I the pink ball gown? That, yeah. Besides the pink ball gown, which <laughs> thank goodness, Sherry Hill instructed me to go big or go home. And I was like, I'm so glad I went big. Um, so don't be scared to make bold choices because the pink ball gown definitely was a risk. I felt in my heart that it was the right move to make, but, um, after prelims people, it's so funny. People are so quick to forget after prelims, I was told by almost every major, you know, pageant fan page that ended up becoming my fans. Um, I was told I was going to lose because of the pink ball gown, but I did not have a backup dress. That was my dress. So I was like, whatever, I'm running with it. And I do think that it helped me stand out on stage. I'm not saying, you know, everyone has to have the biggest, brightest dress there, but whatever you want to do to make you feel like you stand out is important. But I think ultimately it came down to the final questions. And I feel like watching the pageant the last few years, I always feel that way. I feel like the woman that walks around walks away with the crown she came with strength and confidence in her final answer and it's not about saying the perfect thing it is about just having so much strength and confidence and I I do feel like when I watch my final answers I had thought about those things before that was not the first time that I had thought about who should be on the ten dollar bill it was not the first time that I had thought about you know what is the largest issue in our country right now. And those were my questions. And I was able to tap into things that I had already thought about and could articulate. And I think that that ultimately is what gave me that final little edge that that pushed it over. And I'm not saying the other women weren't strong in their answers, but I think when you watch it back, I had so much confidence in what I was saying and so much strength there. Well, speaking of that answer, and, you know, we'll combine that with the manifesting, um, you mentioned the question, which was, you know, uh, what American woman would you want to put on the next new bill design? And you said Harriet Tubman. <laughs> next, yeah. a- The next April, <laughs> April 20th, <laughs> the U.S. Treasury <laughs> officially announces that it's Harriet Tubman. Did you feel like you maybe had a little bit of a part in that? I Yeah, I, it's 100% me that got her on the bill. <laughs> no, no, I, that, I, I've got to say that was a an educated answer. I had read up on, you know, who's eligible. I had, I had, I had done my research and that was, I also made clear in my answer. I had, I had trained with Susie and Shandy. I had also had other interview coaches. So I had had a lot of different angles, but Susie and Shandy had really encouraged me to be playful and have fun. So when that question came to me, I said, I wish Oprah could be on the bill because I, 
am obviously Oprah's biggest fan, um, as I talked about the meditations earlier, and I would love her to be on the bill, but I said, but she's not eligible. And I think that to the judges, it was like, oh my gosh, this is something she's paying attention to what's in the news. But it just helps when you show that, that you are paying attention to the news and these are topics that you've thought about and care about. Well, hey, I want to talk about um, your year as Miss USA. You had two very unique things that I don't think will probably ever happen to anybody else (laughs) the way they happened to you. The first one, obviously, is your second runner-up at Miss Universe, but I think the bigger story there is that you were literally right in the middle of the whole Steve Harvey, you know, wrong announcement debacle. And the camera focuses in on you and Pia, and you literally turned to Pia to basically tell her she won Miss Universe. Talk about it from your standpoint, what that was like to go through. <laughs> I mean, that was just, that's the last thing that you ever expect to happen. <laughs> um, it was crazy. It was crazy. And it's it, it's still like, what a bizarre situation. And I, I still feel bad for Miss Columbia Ariadna that she had to go through that. And I'm so happy to see her really succeeding in life and really, you know, parlaying that moment of, trauma really into unbelievable success she's done so well since then but to stand there next to Miss Universe when we both were sort of going through those emotions of okay like this wasn't meant for me and you're holding your like (laughs) the flowers that they just give you as a consolation prize and then for for Steve to be trying to express in so many words that he had made a mistake. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm standing next to Miss universe. And, <laughs> and she was too much in shock to fully take that in. And also even as he was saying it, she didn't want to be wrong, you know, and just start walking forward and grab a crown. So I was like, just assuring her like, no, he's really, this is real life. This is not a dream. You are Miss universe. And it was kind of a special moment because I got to end up being, you know, roommates with Miss universe. And we were forever connected by that crazy, crazy moment. And she was an unbelievable Miss Universe. One of you know the greatest, I think, that there have been. I mean, I'm really biased, but I think she was incredible. <laughs> um, and it, it was really an honor to get to share that very bizarre moment with her. Yeah, bizarre indeed. And and the other one that happened that, you know, really, you know, kind of threw that whole year off as well, not only for you, but for all of the other state title holders was, of course, this was the year that Donald Trump decided to sell the Miss Universe organization. Um, you know, it was taken off of NBC and you guys were put on uh, what was the network? The Reels. Re- Reels. Channel. Yeah, Reels channel. So uh, what was it like to kind of, you know, you were the obviously the face and the title holder of the organization at that time. What was it like to kind of go through that whole process with them? You know, I'm so lucky that that I got to be Miss USA after that because the people that really suffered from that were the other women that were competing because ultimately when when you get to become Miss USA I I very seriously said after the pageant like I could have won in a you know high school gymnasium and I would be happy you know ultimately it's about being able to to have this title and and all the opportunities that come with that and all the chances to make a difference in the world that come with this title. So I was so lucky. What was really heartbreaking was for all of these incredible women that had worked so hard for years to be on that stage and for them not to have the millions of viewers, for them not to have it be in this primetime slot was very 
upsetting. And, and I still feel bad for these women that deserved that moment and that were incredible. And again, you know, I have said the top five was, was really an unbelievable top five and, and they deserve the press that comes from it. And the, you know, that moment that you're on a major network and millions of people are viewing. So I think it really, that was who it was saddest for. I, I got lucky. It, you know, it would have been nice. And there was definitely a lot of things, you know, I had my own struggles with being a title holder when the organization was in transition. And there was a lot that went on behind the scenes that people didn't really see. And, and the struggles that I had in my first couple of months, because we would be canceled. We, I would have an appearance and it would be canceled because people didn't want to be associated with Donald Trump's controversial statements. And I think I'm one of the only title holders in recent history to not go on you know, live with Kelly. Um, at the time it was live with Kelly and Michael. Now it's Kelly and Ryan, but I didn't get to go on that show because they didn't want to be associated with the controversial statements. So there were, there were those little moments. Again, I'm not complaining and, and I was so, so lucky, but it was a very bizarre time and it was a very trying time for the organization. And it was kind of hard to be part of that transition as people within the organization were losing their jobs. And it, it was it was very tumultuous. And I had to be the face of the organization during that time. So it was hard on trying not to misstep and say the wrong thing, but it was really, really hard to tread on that line. And I would be asked very direct questions that I would want to answer, but couldn't answer because I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't want to cause more controversy. We're already going through so much. So it was very challenging. Well, let me ask you this, and I, you know, I, I certainly will leave politics out of it, but as you have yeah. seen the, the pageant evolve now under, you know, WMEIMG, do you like the direction everything is going and kind of, you know, how it's evolved a little bit over the past three years? You know, I think change is always hard <laughs> when we... <laughs> When we think of a pageant and what that means, I think it is hard to see, you know, so many of these major pageants losing a lot of the things that sort of made them pageants. But I think that some of these changes are needed in this day and age. I think it's important to share more of the women's stories. And I feel like they've been incredible at that. I feel like the show has been very empowering. This past Miss Universe, I think, was one of the strongest shows in a long time. So I do think that really good changes are happening. But yeah, I think change is hard. And and it's about, you know, not losing everything that makes a pageant a pageant. I would be disappointed to see, you know, the swimsuit competition go. So it's it's a fine line. I, I love WME, IMG, and I think that the opportunities that they can give the girls after their year is over is unparalleled. And so I think that we're so, so lucky to be involved with them and, and have those kind of opportunities. Well, hey, speaking of swimsuit, you know, Miss America takes it away. You embrace swimsuit. You were one of six models <laughs> chosen from a pool of 5,000 applicants to be um, in the coveted Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, I, here's what's great. Even as a former Miss USA, uh, I saw an interview with you where you said you still, even though you had been Miss USA, feared failure when you were applying for the SI swimsuit edition. Why did you feel that fear? Oh my gosh, 100%. I think the fear of failure, it's crazy. I think it's gotten worse for me because now everything that I do is on such a larger scale. Before I was Miss USA, I was just I was just Olivia Jordan or Olivia Thomas, depending on the year, you know, like <laughs> I was just me and I could I could fail so quietly and, you know, only I would know if I auditioned for something and I didn't get it. But the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Competition 
it was a social media contest initially. So I had to literally put out there like, okay, y'all, this is the next thing that I'm going for. And um, you're all going to know if I get it or I don't. So it was scary. And yeah, I, it's funny because yeah, I, I've accomplished these great goals and I'm so grateful for them, but it doesn't make it any less scary to go for the next goal. It makes it, in my experience, it made it even more terrifying because now it's like, okay, everyone's going to know and everyone's going to have an opinion on how I do. Well, one of the state title holder questions came on this very issue. So uh, this actually comes from uh, Miss Alabama USA, the current one, Hannah McMurphy. Uh, She says, I would love to know what the transition was like from being seen as Miss USA to shooting with Sports Illustrated. Were there any reservations when you sent out your audition video due to the fact that the looks are so different? Oh, good question, Hannah. It it definitely, everything about going from Miss USA back to my life as an actor model was a transition. And I think I, I almost had this sort of like rebellious side of me that came out that w- wanted to be like, I'm not just this, like, don't put me in a box. Like, I wanted to really, like, embrace my sexier side. Um, I really wanted to, like, I don't know, do things. Like, I, wanted, I wanted to play roles that were really bold and interesting and, and have so much depth. I, I just, I wanted, I just didn't want anyone to put me in a box. And I think that that's a thing that everyone that's competed in pageants has uh, dealt with is that the public perception of pageants can be very limiting. And I think that we all are helping change that. But um, there's still, you know, there's still some pageant stereotypes that have stuck with us. And I was trying so hard to break out of that, but also to stay within my morals and values because so much of Sports Illustrated you know, can be topless or the, not, not fully <laughs> topless, but it can, it can push the line past where I was willing to go. And that was hard because I was in a competition. And so it was like, you almost want to be like, I'm willing to do whatever, but I wasn't. So it, it was challenging because I was like, okay, I don't want them to put me in the box of this pageant girl, but true to the pageant girl stereotype, I, you know, I, I have some morals and values, which is a good thing. And for me, there is a line and it's, you know, it's different for everyone, but I knew where it was. And so I had to be very, very, very clear with the creative team at Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition on where my line was and where, what I wasn't willing to go over. And they put me in swimsuits and outfits. that so I was like, I can't shoot in this. So um, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's important that you remember, you know, whatever you do next, that that it's not just like your inner rebellion side saying like, I can do anything, like watch me. Uh, That 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 doesn't take precedence over making sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're setting strong boundaries in what really matters to you. And that you're not letting people push you to say like, oh, people are going to think that you can't be sexy. So show them how sexy you can be. Like, don't, don't let any of that get in. Just do what's right for you. Um, I know that, that not everyone has Sports Illustrated Swimsuit on their radar as a goal, but it was a huge goal for me. And it was something I really aspired to do. And it was important that when I did it, I did it within what felt good and right to me and something that I can look back and feel really proud of. And as unbelievable as other people's photos are, there are some, you know, outfits that are worn that I personally wouldn't have felt comfortable wearing. So, yeah, you got to know that within yourself and not let pageants limit you and also not let them 
put you in a place where you feel like you need to prove yourself and do something that you may look back on and have regret. Now, I know this question will vary dramatically across the board, but I want to ask you specifically, when you applied, what was the goal for you? I mean, I read bios all year long at pageants, you know, where girls want to be in the Victoria's Secret uh, show on television. They want to be a size swimsuit model. They want to be a model. They want to be a supermodel. Was the goal just to be sexy or was it just to feel beautiful? What was it for you? Yeah. Yeah. I had, it's so funny. I had looked at those magazines since I was a kid. My parents had a Sports Illustrated subscription you know, for all the sports things. And I would literally, their swimsuit magazine would come and I would take it and I would go through it and look at these women like, you know, Tyra Banks and these unbelievably empowered and confident women that had full ownership over their body, had so much confidence. And I think as a kid, that was something I struggled with and I aspired to. And I think from a very young age, I knew that I needed at some point in my life to learn to love my body enough to celebrate it. And for me, it was a way to celebrate my body, to be in Sports Illustrated swimsuit and to celebrate that I had learned self-love. And it was a very, very long journey to get there. And it's something I'm, I still have to work on self-love every day. It's not, you know, something that goes away that I'm like, okay, check, like now I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was a big piece for me. And it was also just like Miss USA, it was the opportunities that can come out of it. You look at the women that have been Miss USA and you look at the women that have graced the pages of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit and these women are entrepreneurs, they're supermodels, they're actors, they have done incredible things with the platform that they were given and I think that that is something that every decision I make is connected with that piece of me that wants to push myself to be the best that I can be in this world and to really, you know, not limit myself. And I think that Sports Illustrated Swimsuit, I think that Miss USA, and I think there's a million other avenues to take, not saying those are the only ones. But for me, I look at those women and I'm like, yes, I want to be a Christy Brinkley. I want to be a Tyra Banks. I want to be someone that that really pushes my limits in this life and really just always is about inspiring people and leading with confidence and love. Well, you're doing a great job with that, so keep it up. Oh, I, thank I, you, I, I, I think a lot of people might find this shocking, but you've been told many times throughout your career that you, Olivia Jordan, Miss USA, SI swimsuit model, have been, uh, you've been told you needed to lose weight. How do you yeah. handle that? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I think this in, in some ways is connected to what I was talking about earlier with my eating disorder and my teenage self. I started modeling at about 14 years old and I, when you're that young and haven't really developed a sense of self yet, a sense of, you know, confidence, um, it's all about what other people say. So for me, I was very susceptible to other people's opinions and I'm I'm so impressed by the the teen uh, contestants that that I, that I watch that that don't have these struggles um, or that are overcoming them because I was so susceptible and my um, modeling agent, when I was 16, said, we want to send you to Milan and we want you to do the summer there and, you know, do a season and walk in the shows, but you've got to lose two inches off your hips, which is like, AKA your butt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I can lose two inches. At the time I was like 5'11 and about 100 and. 
20 pounds. Like oh I was gosh. already underweight on, you know, just naturally, just cause I, you know, hadn't fully developed yet, but I, I just naturally was underweight and I was being told to lose weight. And I was like, okay, whatever you say. So I, you know, went to the gym and, and lost the weight and it became kind of a cycle of like trying to people please and not feeling good enough. And at the time I was trying so hard to fit into this editorial world and this runway model world. That was like my dream and my vision of what I wanted to be. And I think it was accepting that that's not the way my body is built. (laughs) That is not how my body's built at all. And realizing that that's a totally unrealistic and very, very unhealthy expectation for myself to hold. So I had to step away from modeling for a couple of years and get myself healthy and get my head right and recognize that I could be a model as long as I was a catalog model. And as long as the agents that I worked with weren't agents that were going to pressure me to try to be something other than what is healthy for my body type. So I had to totally switch up the agent scenario and, and it's still, you know, you come across agents and you come across casting and you come across clients that are like, Oh yeah, we love you. But if you could just do this, but the older I've gotten and the more time I've spent in this industry, I promise you, you will get so much further if you do what's right for you. And you may miss out on some jobs. If someone says, yeah, we just need you to shave your head. And if part of you wants to shave your head, sure, go do it. But if not, nothing about you wants to shave your head and they're telling you to do that, then you don't have to. Say goodbye to that one job because I promise you there could be five hair modeling campaigns in your future that you could have missed out on. So how to stay true to you. And it's just, it's been a learning curve. I'm definitely not perfect, but it's something that I've just continued to learn and work towards is is that self-love. You know, that's so awesome because I think what you're saying about uh, agents and modeling is also true for agents and television. And I know a lot of you girls out there are wanting to get into both of those. And that is, it's like dating. If you find an agent who basically looks you at you as a project and says, I like you, but I'd like to do this, it's kind of like dating a guy that would say the same thing. You probably wouldn't want to date that guy very long, would you? Gosh, you are so spot on, Tim. That That is so true. You've got to work. I mean, definitely, I'm I'm open to feedback, but it's like within, <laughs> you, you also have to, you know, have good boundaries around it. So I'm open to feedback if someone's like, hey, try this acting class or like, hey, you would be great at comedy. Try comedy. It's like, okay, great. I'm willing to do that. But if someone's like, oh, we would like you if you dressed a certain way that's so not you, you know, like you've got to, you've got to just know who you are. Cause I, the times that I've been most successful and the times that I've worked the most are when I made the decisions for myself on how I wanted to look, how I wanted to feel you know, how I could be confident in my own body. Yeah. And look, the agents, you know, I know they kind of have the arrogance of, you know, we're the power players, we're the gatekeepers, you can't do anything without us. But what it's really saying when they're coming to you and saying, hey, Olivia, I like this, but why don't we change this is it's their own insecurity that they don't want to get out of their own box, to do what they need to do to help you. They just want you to get back in their box so they feel comfortable about shopping you around. Yes, that's so true. And there's so many different agents. And I remember even there was one agent that I was like sort of fighting with because he was like, I want you to be like a guy's girl and I need you to do these shoots and I need you to, you know, shoot with this photographer and do all this stuff that I was like, I'm not a guy's girl. I'm not like I'm a girl's girl. Like, and he was like, no, I want your social media following to be like 
you need to get more guys to follow you. And I was like, I don't want the guys to follow me. Like, no offense. I love, you know, wonderful, kind men. But my goal wasn't to have a huge male following that are just following me, you know, for eye candy. I wanted to really have a relationship with my followers. And so it was just in having this conversation with my agent that I was like, you know, are there like women's magazines that I could model for? Is there another direction I can go that seems like it's been working better for me? And he was like, well, I don't know how to market you that way. And I was like, oh, I'm just at the wrong place. You are really good at what you do, creating guys, girls. And there's a lot of great guys, girls in the world that, that want to do that and are happy about that. And that feels great and power to them. That doesn't feel right for me. So yeah, it's about finding the right agent because there are so many agents. Like find, find someone that believes in you for who you are. Find them. And for those of you listening, it may take a lot of no's to get there. So just know that going in. It's not going to happen in the first two, three, four agents that you contact. It's probably going to take, you know, 20, 30, 50 maybe. You just never know, but keep going. Um, Olivia's obviously yeah. done a great job with that. But it sounds like the agent probably wanted to take you along the uh, Carl's Jr. route where he wanted to throw you in a bikini on a car hood with a burger and throw you on national television yeah. so you have guy followers. Yes, yes, it's so true. This is real. And I literally I have a casting director in town. I had gone out for a few Carl's Jr. spots early in my career and he literally like pulled me aside and he was like, look, you get a callback for Carl's Jr. every time because you're great, but you are never going to book this. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I hate hearing no. So I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're not a Carl's Jr. girl. You're a Lexus girl. Work towards that. And I was like, at the there time, I took it as this like insult, like, hey, don't tell me what I am and what I'm not. But it, when I stepped away and got in my car, I was like, he's right. And like, heck yeah, I want to be a Lexus girl. I want to be the girl that's like, you know, the aspirational, that, that is what my heart connects with more for me. And I'm not saying any one of these is right or wrong or good or bad. I'm just saying it's about finding what's right for you, recognizing who you are and the persona that you're putting out to the world because people are responding to that. And you can like bust down this Carl's Jr. door all day long every day. But that's exhausting if that's not who you are. And ultimately, it might not even make you happy if you get there. So make sure you're recognizing who you are and, and you're, what you're putting out is a reflection of that. Yeah, well, some great advice there. Thanks for sharing that. Um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you, you had said before you got into pageants that you wanted to cultivate some public speaking skills. And I know every state title holder out there knows that over that year, you grow so much because you do get up in front of a lot of different people. I think one of the cool things that you got to do was uh, towards the end of your reign as Miss USA, you got to host Miss Teen USA out there at the Venetian that year. I was there for that one. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, what was that like to, to kind of stand up and do something you've never done like that uh, in front of a national audience as the host instead of the contestant? It was so fun. Okay, I've got to say, I'm sorry that all of these answers I really tangent, but I have to tangent in that when I won Miss USA and I got to sit down with Paul Sugar and she said, what do you want to do? You know, what are your long-term goals? And I said, I want to act. All I want to do is act. I've been trying to act and it's like my main goal. And I also want to be in Sports Illustrated and I also want to do Dancing with the Stars. But like, those are asides. My main thing is acting. And she was like, great. And then as the year went on, I just naturally was getting hosting opportunities and um, got to host some wonderful charity fundraisers and got to do these different things. And I loved it. I had so much fun. 
I, it just felt natural. It felt authentic. It felt fun. It really felt like I was tapping into a part of me that I hadn't ever explored or, or allowed myself to work towards. And towards the end of the year, I was like, Paula, I want to host Miss Teen USA. And she was like, you don't want to host. You want to act. You've told me over and over that you want to act. And so I think it was important. I recognized through my year that like absolutely have long-term goals and have them very clear in your mind what they are and, and how, how they're going to feel and what it's going to look like, but also be open because I learned through my years, Miss USA, that I love hosting. And had I not been open and had I not convinced Paula that I was open and, and that it was something that I had discovered that I was passionate about. And like, yeah, I was 27 years old and people would think, or people would put on me that like, you should know what you want by that time in your life. No, I'm 30 years old and I'm still figuring out things that I love and think like other things that I can pursue as well as acting, which is like my one true passion. I have other things that, that light me up and make me excited. So hosting this Team USA was right after I passed the crown. It was a couple months after. And it was just such a wonderful experience to stand on that stage and be like, hey, guys, I'm still part of this community. <laughs> and I'm on the other side. And I don't have to have, you know, the pressure of being in this competition, but I can celebrate these incredible women. And I know what they're feeling right now. And I know what they're going through. And I can be part of celebrating that. Well, a, a little side story to that particular pageant. So three of the girls that made the top five were girls that I had worked with from the states that I host, South Carolina, North Carolina, no and way. Alabama. And so I make these little highlight videos from the national pageant for them. So they have it as a memory. And what was funny is uh, Marley Stokes, who was South Carolina, she kept making it through the rounds. And you would belt out South Carolina in this super unique way that we loved. And so every time I see her oh in South gosh. Carolina, I'm like, hey, South Carolina. And she loves it. She just she just it brings back memories for her. And she loved it. So she's always got that video of you belting it out. So great job on that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I do have to apologize. I I watched that back after because that was my first time hosting a, a pageant ever. And I watched it back and I was like, the fact that I made them wait so long for the winner, I was like, Cody, no, that's really the way to do it. Mark. That's like, the way to do it. No, we absolutely. Really, we really let it build that, that tension in the room. I'm like, oh my gosh, those poor girls. That's the drama that Got people it. pay money for. So very good. Nice job. Right. Nice job. Well, you mentioned that, uh, you know, acting is a big part of what you want to do. You've appeared in a few movies over the past five years. Um, I, I would say most notably, from my opinion, Ted, of course, with Mark Wahlberg. I love that oh, movie. Oh, hilarious. And then yeah. uh, here comes the boom. I think you were a ring girl there with uh, uh, Kevin. Yes. Uh, what do you have planned yes. for the future of your acting career? You know, Tim, I'm just going to manifest here with you. That <laughs> Let's my do it. goal my goal and hope would be to be a regular on a TV show. I just, I would love to, you know, what TV know show? where I was going week to week. Well, This Is Us is my favorite show. So something, something like that, that has, you like to make you know, people a true cry. heart and a message. <laughs> I don't like to make people cry. I don't like to make people cry, but I, I do like to make people feel something. And I think that that's one of the true joys of being an actor is that you can sort of open people up in ways that maybe they don't allow themselves to feel in their day-to-day -day lives and to open them up to those emotions while watching someone else's story can help them recognize things within themselves. And so that's definitely my aspirational show. I would love to be a regular on, on this is us or some other show that has, you know, incredible storytelling and, and can really move people. So here's what I'm going to do for you to help you if you want to, if you want to manifest that. So a lot of people, do you do vision boards? 
Yes. I do vision videos. I, I, I have to take Ooh. it to the next level just because I'm a, I'm a TV guy. So I have a trailer guy. He's, he's, he's a, a trailer voice guy. I had him oh literally God. voice some stuff, and I used it. But I think I should have him voice a This Is Us promo announcing Olivia Jordan is the newest <gasps> cast member and send it to you. That would be unreal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll uh, let me work on that. I'll see if I can kick something oh to you. Oh, my That'd gosh. Be fun. When's your birthday? I love the um, September 28th. Okay. I'll see if I can maybe uh, get a birthday <laughs> present there. <laughs> so you want to be a, a cast member on This Is Us, and then how about movies? Do you have movies in, in your uh, sites, or is it pretty much TV that you want to do? TV is honestly my main goal. The television that's being made at this moment in history is unparalleled. It's incredible. But I'm definitely always open to movies, and I'm always open. I, I've been lucky. I got to shoot a movie in Puerto Rico and go, you know, live in Puerto Rico for a month of my life. Um, so I'm always open to having, you know, different experiences and different cultural experiences. I just got to shoot in Hawaii for Hawaii Five O. So just having those wonderful merging work and travel and life experience is just the most wonderful blessing that that I will always be so lucky. But yeah, so I, I can, you know, I, I manifest if it's a movie that it can be somewhere wonderful that maybe I don't know about yet. Well, look, keep your goals big because you've obviously done two very big ones already. And I'm sure there's going to be another one that we're all going to watch unfold on national television. So that's cool. So, okay. So we've <laughs> talked about your life. What I want to do now is uh, I just like to do a little, it's a little 10 question, rapid fire, get to know you questions. It's totally fun. Nothing needs to be serious here, but can I take you through those okay. 10 questions real quick? Are you ready? Okay. Uh, okay. B- big deep breath. All right, here we go. On a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? Okay, eight. <laughs> that's pretty weird. That's pretty good. What are you okay. not very good at? I'm not very good at singing, and I so wish that I was. I would love to be like a pop singer in my alternative life. Okay, so the voice is not in your future. Okay. It is not, no. <laughs> Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Oh my gosh, that I'm always right? <laughs> you should be my <laughs> wife. <laughs> um, I, you know, I love to be right. It's actually something that I'm really working on, that it's okay does, to be wrong does, sometimes, because I definitely am wrong sometimes, but I love to be right. So does Jay know this before he uh, puts that ring on your finger? I know. Poor, poor Jay. He's, <laughs> he's so sweet. I, like, when I am right, he will tell me, and it's, it's like the most validating thing in the world, but he's like, when you're wrong, you also have to admit it. And I'm like, ooh. It's a hard trade. It's a hard trade. You're like, yeah, that that pride that pride wall is not going to be knocked down. No big deal there. All right, number four, your room, your desk, or your car. Which do you clean first? I am obsessed with having a clean car. My my car has to be clean. It's a reflection of everything else. And once my car is clean, it's like the ball starts rolling. Like then my room's clean, and then my closet's clean, and. Then my kitchen and living room get clean. It's like this magical thing that happens as long as the car is clean, everything <laughs> else trickles down. All right, so it's the car. All right, number five, which would you pick? Uh, being world-class attractive, I think you pretty much already got that one under control. A genius <laughs> or famous for doing something great? Ooh, I think famous for doing something great. Because it's all about, you know, what you're doing to, to shape the world for the better. So okay. as much as it would be 
unbelievable to like wake up tomorrow and you know be Gigi Hadid or be Elon Musk or some other you know world-class attractive or, and world-class genius type of person. I think it's all about you know making a difference. Mother Teresa style. Mother Teresa style. That's the goal. Oprah style. <laughs> Oprah style. Okay. Number six. What was your favorite toy growing up? Oh my gosh, you're so full of good questions. <laughs> ah. I, I, I promise I didn't make these up. I totally got these off the internet. Wait, that's so funny. I don't, I, I can, literally cannot think of toys. Um, I had a Lammy that like, that played um, Jesus Loves Me. It was like a music box <laughs> Lammy. But my sister had the same one and she loved it. Like it was her diehard, like she had to sleep with it every night. But it was, it was hard because it had this music box inside of it. So I didn't actually like sleeping with it, but I just wanted to be like her. So I had the identical Lammy and I pretended like it was my favorite thing just so I could be like her. And ours looked so different because she actually like carried hers everywhere and she slept with it every night and I didn't. So mine was like really clean. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I really wanted to be like her. So that was my pretend favorite toy. All right. So a Lammy. Number seven. Little, little sister problem. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Who would you like to live like for a day? I like to live like for a day. Oh my gosh, this question. <laughs> I would love to live like, I think Beyonce. I think I would like, on like one of her days that she's performing, I think it would be really cool to like have the world at my fingertips and just like be able to sing at the top of my lungs and like dance and oh, that would be, that would be a moment. The funniest thing is the last person who took this quiz <laughs> said the exact same thing. No way! Yeah, yeah. Beyonce yep. goals. Beyonce apparently is uh, pretty inspirational. All right, number eight. <laughs> if you could be an Olympic athlete, what sport would you compete in? Um, well, I just want to make it clear that I could never be an Olympic athlete. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is not me thinking that I have some skill set. Um, um, I think I would love to mm, gymnastics. I think it would be fun to be on the gymnastics team and like the things that they can do with their bodies and all the flipping and jumping and all the things that they could never do. That would be really cool. I would pay to see a 5'11 girl on a balance beam routine. That right. would be challenging. To, to, I know. To it would be challenging. It would look right. cool though if I could it actually would. do it. Number nine, who is the funniest person that you know? Ooh. I think Jay's the funniest person I know. That's he makes me laugh every day. Sorry, that's cheesy, but that's a good one. It's, it's all about it's all about laughter. That's how we solve most of our fights. Is by like if one person's annoyed, it's all about just make like he makes me laugh, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot what I was annoyed about. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> so when you're when you're, you're demanding that you're right, he just laughs, and then it blows yeah. over. <laughs> and then, then we're past that. Yeah, he makes the joke out of it. Yeah, Perfect. It works. All right. Last one. When you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? I dance. I turn on Bob Marley, the Three Little Birds song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Yeah. And I just start dancing. That makes everything go away. It makes all the bad feelings. And if, if I'm ever, like, really tired and lazy, same thing. They're just, like, I feel like it gets you going. Olivia Jordan, the dancer. Okay. Well, that is your 10 questions. You made it through the uh, the rapid fire round. Thank you for doing that. Woo, I survived. And I was like slightly <laughs> less long-winded than all the other questions. Yeah, I loved ho- Hopefully you didn't sweat through it. it. 
Only a little. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for spending the time today. I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me over the last, you know, six, eight months and requested to have you on the podcast. So I know that uh, I'm sure they're very appreciative that you did this. So thanks for the time today. And uh, I certainly look forward to hopefully doing more with you in the future. Yeah, it was so fun. Thank you for having me, Tim. I love your podcast. I love the way you celebrate these women and, and what the next chapter is really like. It's a fun, it's a fun game. Thanks for listening to today's episode and to Olivia Jordan for her time. If you enjoyed it, folks, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, uh, and YouTube. Or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com and subscribe there. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram, at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Mark 11.22. I assure you and most solemnly say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him. See you next week, everybody.